Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thank you guys for listening. We've got a lot to get to because I want to, one, quickly kind of look at SMU in the AAC tournament, uh, share some thoughts on where I think everything is for the Mustangs, and uh, obviously touch on that. But we are well into spring football now, so this is a perfect time as the Mustangs hit spring break to share some thoughts on the early goings of spring ball and what this team looks like so far with Rhett Lashley at the helm. Had a chance now to watch a few practices with the Mustangs now in full pads, so it's a perfect time to do that as the team broke for spring break with their last practice on Thursday. Uh, SMU staff is actually giving them off on Friday uh, thanks to a little fun they had at the end of practice on Thursday, which included uh, the Seeker, which is a robotic uh, jugs machine. Uh, it's been written about. It's a, it's a robot that can send the ball all sorts of different ways, whether it's punt, you know, throws, things like that. And uh, some of the staff and players had to catch balls at the end of practice with everybody watching, recruits, coaches, players, uh, to earn tomorrow off. And that's what they did. Tyler Levine and Jimmy Phillips caught passes uh, way down the field to secure that day off for the Mustangs. Uh, and let's lead off with football because we know where SMU basketball stands heading into the AAC tournament. First game Friday night in the quarterfinals uh, facing either Tulsa or Wichita State, uh, just as we're recording this. So, you know, be forewarned, uh, if you're listening to this, we might already know the opponent by the time this, uh, by the time you listen to this. But uh, on the football front, let's lead off there. SMU went in, uh, you know, shells, helmets, uh, Friday and Saturday last week kind of breaking in the new era of Rhett Lashley, and the offense came out hot. It was a bad day for the defense. They kind of rallied on Saturday to have a bounce-back day, uh, again, in no pads. And then the next look was Monday, and that was when I got my first chance to take a look at them. Had an engagement party in uh, Tampa for us over the weekend, so wasn't able to watch the first two days of padded practice, which, honestly, no pads. It was good timing. Let's just say that. But Getting a chance to watch three full padded practices now, I do want to say, you know, we know the the talent level that this offense has, but I do want to say that I've been pretty impressed by the defense, especially in the front seven. You look at the defensive line with Elijah Chapman, Devere Levelston, and Jalen Samuels really getting the most of those reps with the quote unquote first team right now. You know, we're only a week into spring ball. Um, and a ways away from the regular season. But those are kind of the the top three right now that I'm watching as far as contributing, getting reps with the, what seems to be the first unit. And they just have really done a good job of allowing these linebackers and safeties to make plays. I think that's the big thing that I've taken away from Scott Simon's defense so far. It's just how active uh, this front seven is and how involved the safeties are in this defense in creating pressure and SMU's offensive line. And, and if you've read our notebooks on the pony express.com, you can, you can kind of see there, they are mixing and matching on the offensive line. Uh, Thursday, there were a lot of guys who were sitting out. So now you look at it as in, in that kind of vacuum where the offensive line is working some things out, but at the same token, Scott Simons is dialing up different looks, different pressures to get free rushers, to get, free guys in, in position to make plays defensively. And we've seen that a lot. Uh, I think Elijah Chapman continues to show that he is one of the best defensive linemen 
in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, he's one of the strongest guys on the team, probably you know potentially the strongest guy on the team just overall. Uh, weight you know thrown around in the weight room, and the linebackers playing behind that three have really impressed me. There's also been Nelson Paul, Gary Wiley, who've, who've done some good things in there. Uh, and Terrence Newman had a good good stop today watching uh, practice. But the linebackers, Jimmy Phillips, Shannon Reed, Jaquandis Burns, um, Isaac Slade Matutia, uh, this is a group that really impresses me as far as, and Kiki Burns, what they've been able to do so far in this in this defense, in in these practices. And I say that because they fly around, they're physical, they look the part, um, and I'm just impressed with them overall. This is a defense that's losing Delano Robinson, Shane Haley, and Richard Moore, guys that have played a lot of football. And while I'm sure there will be aspects of this this group that will need improvement, and we'll, we'll see that come as the, uh, or, or those areas emerge, as we watch more of this spring ball, but Jimmy Phillips looks really, really good, like an all AAC type player. He was second on the team in tackles last year. He's picking right up where he left off. Kiki Burns is getting a bigger opportunity uh, to to contribute as a true linebacker, uh, and he has really impressed. He had a couple batted balls at the line of scrimmage uh, between Wednesday and Thursday, uh, and I've been really impressed with him. And then Shannon Reed is really physical. Uh, that's what stands out about him. Jaquandis Burns kind of seen, seen him in spurts, uh, and, and now he's kind of you know, dealing with an injury uh, that we'll see where it's at after spring break. Um, but those that group has really impressed me with what they do just from being active, being physical, especially in the run game. I mean, this run defense, I think if you're watching SMU and you see them be a middle-of-the-pack type of defense – uh, overall, um, as far as stopping the run last year, I think they are poised to take a huge step forward in that respect. And, you know, they're still shopping for another defensive lineman to come in and contribute right away in the transfer portal. Uh, they want another safety. They, I think they want really, you know, outside, probably outside a linebacker just because of where that group is overall. I think they, they're always looking for all of those things. But I do think right now, this defense is showing that they do have the potential to be one of the better run-stopping defenses statistically in the country. And I know that's high praise as we sit here, like I said, only a week into spring ball, new defense, all that stuff. But they have just done a really good job on this offensive line of working them over. And, you know, you flip over to the offensive side of the ball, which we'll talk about in a bit, you know, that's cause for concern. But we'll address that. I do have some concerns on the offensive line overall, but we'll address those in a minute. This defense just has athleticism. And even Stone Eby, who I believe is still in the transfer portal, but practicing, playing really well, making his mark. Darren Brown has made a couple stops. Junior Ajo has been in on some plays here and there. This is a group that just looks poised to be really, really strong against the run. Uh, and then you factor in the safeties that they're bringing. Brandon Crosley, Brian Massey been getting the majority of the reps, it seems to me at least, in that first unit. Uh, if you didn't know, Shevin Calloway uh, shared that he, he is bipolar um, and has dealt with a lot of mental health issues over the last however long. It, it seems like his days at SMU are now done. He gave it another go. He said, you know, to, en to enjoy the opportunity that these guys have. 
it sounds like he's stepping away for good. So Brandon Crosley and Brian Massey have really emerged, I think, as those two guys on the back end at that safety position. And both guys are coming off the edge and creating issues for the offense, uh, whether it be matching up with the offense line or getting picked up in pass pro and getting around it. They have done a really good job of making plays, both Brian Massey and Brandon Crosley. Chase Cromartie, Donald Clay, Carl Taylor, Isaiah Wachobia, those guys are all stepping up as well. Um, I think Isaiah Wachobia is probably one of the best-looking guys as far as growth from last year to this year. Physically, it's kind of funny. Right now, uh, I believe it's Shannon Reed that wears 12 now. Isaiah Wachobia wore it last year. He wears two now. But looking at Shannon Reed, you kind of take a moment and you're like, is that Isaiah Wachobia just with how filled out he is? And then you see Isaiah Wachobia at number, as number two, and you're like, okay, all right, that is him. But they do have the similarities. So having a guy that big back there on, at, at safety at, in Isaiah Wachobia, who's had some good practices already, that's encouraging. Uh, so I, I think this is a group that physically against the run looks to be really strong. And the way they're bringing pressure is also helping generate a pass rush. And it can be anything from dropping out somebody like Gary Wiley or Nelson Paul, um, whoever that may be, and and allowing them to drop into coverage to bring a Brian Massey or a Brandon Crosley elsewhere and get pressure that way. So there's different ways that they end up bringing four and have had some success getting pressure. At corner, I think you're seeing kind of a little bit of the same, although I do like the competitiveness for the most part that we're seeing. We're seeing a lot more mix and matching as far as man and zone coverages, at least from my naked eye watching this. And they're they're teaching that technique to these corners as well, and they're, they're having to obviously work through um, improving that technique that this group needed to work on. And it's going to be a process. I will say Jahari Rogers uh, is is somebody that is continuing to need that attention. And at the same token, he is making plays like pass breakups and also has lost out on some competitive balls down the field. And that is the kind of the difference that I think we're seeing and some of these passes down the field. And we'll talk about offense in a second. But these wide receivers are getting so many opportunities to make plays or turn and go get the ball back shoulders, things like that. They're getting different opportunities. And it's kind of similar in a sense where they're in zone coverage and you're seeing sometimes these players break through and get open because they're splitting a zone on a seam route, things like that, that you're going to have offenses that can find those areas and try to exploit them. The The difference is, is we don't know right now, at least how much pressure they're getting is going to impact that opportunity that SMU's having to make some plays down the field with routes like that uh, because they are obviously letting things go a little bit as far as you know players that might be closing in on the quarterback or what have you but this is a defense so far that seems multiple they seem aggressive especially in the front seven the safety play I think is is encouraging um, we're, we're seeing tight coverage for the most part and guys with opportunities to make plays on the ball, which last year, if you if you look back at fall camp and, you know, we talked about Tanner Mordecai and his deep ball and how it needs to be more consistent. Last year, it was like a deep ball show in fall camp with Tanner Mordecai. And that was just a sign of things to come 
with the secondary, quite honestly, uh, as we found out. But in this go around, and we'll see if this is true, it does seem like it's a little bit more of making competitive plays on the ball to win opportunities. Bo Corrales, Rasheed Rice, Dylan Goffney, uh, Roderick Daniels, guys like that are having to make plays and they're getting the opportunities to, and it's a good time to kind of transition to the offense. And I think you're seeing them deal with pressure because they're mixing and matching the offensive line. And it's a concern for me. You you look at some of the mixing and matching, some of the guys that sat out today, uh, the defense was able to get pressure, I think, in large part because of it and where they were as far as, you know, just from an offensive line standpoint, who was out there on the field the most as far as reps go. But you look at Marcus Bryant, Dalton Perdue, Thalen Robinson, Aaron Smith playing out on the edges, and even Jalen Thomas was back at some left tackle on Thursday. Again, guys were out. And you also have seen Branson Hickman, Justin Osborne, Jalen Thomas, Ben Sparks, um, guys like that mix in in the interior as well and get opportunities to show what they've got. We've seen a, a, a slew of different guys um, at center, Branson Hickman, Jalen Thomas, um, even Justin Osborne had a brief moment there. So they are mixing and matching, and they're having to deal with that as they adjust to this new scheme and new coaching. I will say I think this staff, it's almost – I don't want to say overall both sides that this looks like a, a team that just picked up where it's left off and it's been the same system for years, but you can almost tell there's some comfort level with the coaches, with guys like Rhett Lashley, Johnny Brewer, Kyle Cooper, guys that have been here before, knowing the players, being able to push buttons, things like that, and they're just getting after these guys coaching-wise. And, you know, I was talking with Elijah Chapman after practice on Thursday and just talking about Calvin Thibodeau and and how tough of a coach he is on them, but also that they connect spiritually at this in the same respect, which is, you know, a, an interesting dynamic. And and all, not all coaches are the same by any means, but you can tell. I asked him. I, I said, "Is it is it hard to trust these guys?" And he told me no. Which after everything that happened, I'm not trying to rehash all that, but that is probably one of the most important things that you're gonna find this off season is how can these guys build trust, build that family atmosphere among the team and bring out the best of these guys. And I do think early on, it's been a fairly smooth transition. They're being coached hard. They're playing very fast in practice. I mean, the little tidbit here that you kind of notice watching, as soon as a catch is made, a run is made, plays over, coaches screaming, hand the ball to the official, hand the ball to the official. That's because they want to go fast and they want to do it and coach that so that you don't have something like what happened to Dak Prescott in the playoffs happen. And f hammer that home so that they can go fast and run their system as best they can. Those are some of the little things that they're coaching really hard. Coming back to the ball, um, making routine plays, it, it, it's just something that you can tell that the competitiveness of practice right now is kind of up a notch. And, and I, I do think it starts with Rhett Lashley. He's pretty involved in practice. He's able to coach up guys. He brought aside Ulysses Bentley after a run he had in team today and was really watching the play develop in front of them, coaching him up individually. He's involved in uh, you know, just getting after these guys, whether it be breaking them up into different groups, whether it be uh, taking guys aside. You're seeing that, and the way this staff is kind of built – 
it almost seems in this, I'm really not trying to put an incredible amount of praise on them just yet because it is a week in, but you're seeing the finer details stressed as if they they are not having to install new things, as if they're 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 not um saying, well, oh, only 10% of the playbook's in, you know, we, we need to take the gas pedal off. They're stressing fundamentals. And that was a big takeaway from what Scott Simon said on on Saturday was how critical they are on fundamentals and developing those and the rest of the playbook and being able to play fast will happen. And I think the same is true for Tanner Mordecai, Preston Stone back there calling plays. They want these guys to make plays and move fast and whatever happens, they'll correct and they'll build on, but they want the fundamentals right. We've seen a lot of work in Indy, um, whether it be the offensive line doing pulling techniques and getting leverage, uh, whether it be the running back staying low, pass pro pickups, tight ends, uh, making competitive plays and drills. Uh, those are all things that are being stressed. And they the coaching staff does it with a, a an aggressive, competitive nature that I, I think is um, it, pretty obvious once you go out and watch practice. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of coaching going on in different spots as soon as the play is over, whether it be, hey, come back to the ball whether it be watch your split, whether it be, um, you know, set your feet. I mean, all sorts of different areas. They're being coached very hard out there at practice. And the players have bought in from what they've all said to that, which is a good sign early on. And I, I think while you probably don't want a week-long break in spring ball right now, it's a good tone to be set. They're going to have to come back and pick that up after a week off um, with spring break. But they're in a good position as far as starting that off. Offensively, I think the run game is something that, you know, as, lo- as long as Ulysses Bentley is healthy, they're going to have a chance to be good. Uh, Tyler Levine continues to run hard. TJ McDaniel is still trying to find his footing and come back. Brandon Epton has looked pretty good. He's pretty fearless as far as putting his head down and turning the corner and things like that. And once the offensive line gets settled, you know, Joe Bissinger was out there at practice watching on Thursday. He's going to transfer in this summer. I still think they want another offensive lineman if they can get one uh, to come on in. But I, I do think you're seeing that part take a minute just because of the mixing and matching and, and some of the guys being moved around or being out here or there that we're seeing the offensive line take a little bit of time. Tanner Mordecai, Preston Stone are being thrown into the fire in that sense, but they're also chucking it down the field. They're also knowing where to go with the ball for the most part. I think one thing that stands out to me is they really generally know where they need to go with the ball. And as a play breaks down, they can find a safety valve um, or they know where to go with it right away. If, if something's not there, if they know they're not going to be able to take that deep shot, they'll hit that guy over the middle, whether it be a check down running back, Jalen record um, or Roger Daniels in the slot. We've seen a lot of that. Um, Rasheed Rice continues to impress. He's been very, very good. Dylan Goffney has had his moments. Bo Corrales, I do want to single him out. He is probably one of the bigger targets SMU has had. Catch radius-wise, size, thick body build uh, in a minute. I mean, he really looks the part. He almost looks like an H-back type of pass-catching tight end. Uh, that's how big he is. Um, he He's really going to be, I think, impressive for SMU as long as he can stay healthy, and he certainly looks the part. And Watching him interact with these receivers, too, he's 
part of the guys that are, hey, pushing each other after practice. Let's go catch more. Let's go get on the jugs. Let's go throw the ball back and forth and do things like that. So I, I think a lot of these transfers have meshed well with the team so far. Uh, the linebacker room looks really tight-knit. Um, Shannon Reed talked about that, how he's rooming with Jaquandis Burns. Jimmy Phillips was his host on his official visit. Uh, Isaac Slade Matutia and him are close. That all helps. That all matters. And once some of these guys that are sitting out spring, rehabbing, kind of come into the fold, that'll be the interesting thing as far as depth chart goes once we get into fall camp and watch that, how everything comes together. I think the wide receiver room looks really strong. Uh, I would I would say that it's a little thin as far as guys that consistently I would say you want out there. I would say Rasheed Rice, Bo Corrales, Austin Upshaw, Dylan Goffney. Um, they'll add Josh Moore into the mix this summer, and he's going to have that speed. Uh, Jordan Curley, obviously, he was sitting out on Thursday with a with a nicked up injury. But Roger Daniels probably had the best day on Thursday, making a bunch of catches, including a one hander. Um, and Jalen Record looks looks the part. So. It's a little thin. I think once they add Josh Moore, that'll kind of solidify things there. But I do feel good about this passing game for SMU. Tanner Mordecai, Preston Stone can both extend plays with their feet. And I think that's something Rhett Lashley is um, perfectly okay with, uh, being able to extend plays, being able to uh, make plays on the run. Those are all things that, you know, I think you, you want everything to be perfect. But when the protection breaks down, those guys do have opportunities to make plays. So overall, I mean, I, I think you're looking at a team right now that is pretty comfortable with where it's at. Um, they do have some things to work on. The offensive line is one. I still think, you know, corners you want to continue to improve, and that's going to just be a process. Uh, the run game, I think you want to see take a step up as far as consistency goes. Um, the tight end room probably needs a little bit more out of that group in general. Uh, Nolan Matthews looks the part has gotten some opportunities. Uh, he's probably the best one of the bunch. Uh, Cam Allen, just a quick impression. He's a little thinner than I thought uh, he'd be. Uh, he's only a year into college, so he's got time to work with Coach Grizz and, and get stronger. But it, it, coming in at 240 or so, I was expecting him to be a lot bigger and kind of be a more physical guy right off the bat in the run game. But that whole tight end group, there's a lot of competition there. That's going to be a, a, a position to kind of watch as far as who emerges, who develops on that side of things. So overall, uh, solid first week. I think it's competitive. Um, like I said, holes to fill, things to address. But this team looks like they're buying in. They're getting coached hard. And it's it's been impressive to watch in that respect. So that's kind of all I got on, on the football side of things. On recruiting, Jackson Lavender, SMU wide receiver commit, has been at practice pretty much every day. And he's always bringing players with him. Uh, they've had a lot of high-end talent on campus, especially on Thursday, and we'll have that full list up on theponyexpress.com if you want to check it out. Seven-day free trial for the site uh, for 10 bucks a month for, or for, I believe, $100 for the year. Uh, quick shameless plug there. Uh, and this is a staff that wants players to get on campus and get exposed to the coaching that they'll get, get exposed to the coaches, the players be around them. It's very similar in a way to how the prior staff ran it as far as kind of open door. Um, but those guys are, are certainly taking advantage of getting on campus and watching practice. There are recruits there every day, former players uh, that are there right away. Xavier Jones, James Prochet, Delonte Scott, Pat Nelson. Um, I'm sure there will be more as the spring pops up. 
But uh, just overall, I mean, it, it just seems like everything's going well right off the bat for SMU football. So just some impressions there. Um, I'm no by, by no means crowning them champions or anything like that, but good first start and a lot more to come as SMU will turn ahead to that April 8th spring game uh, once they're back from spring break. So we'll have all your coverage of that. Uh, a lot of stories to come as well. I talked with Ulysses Bentley and Elijah Chapman exclusively today. So look for those on the site in the coming days and uh, as well as our continued practice notebooks once they're back from spring break. Now, SMU basketball, getting ready for the AAC tournament, 6 o'clock Friday night in Fort Worth at, at Dickey's Arena. The Mustangs will play on ESPNU. They'll play Wichita State or Tulsa in that game. Uh, and for SMU, you know, they've only played Wichita State once, certainly a team that as far as the NCAA tournament goes, they wish they would have played again, um, you know, just because they are a quality team that would have been another quality win uh, potentially at home, but they, they didn't get to uh, do that. Um, and instead, right now, if they do play Wichita State, they're looking to avenge a 72-57 loss all the way back on February 5th at Wichita, a tough place to play, a tough team, and one that, you know, as far as what you look for out of these types of AAC teams, uh, they're pretty strong. And that's where SMU is going to have to really step up. Ricky Council, the fourth, Tyson Etienne, 20 points each in that win. Um, and it wasn't really close, quite honestly, um, as the Mustangs really just were dominated on the road. So that was one of you know, SMU's losses that on the road doesn't look too bad. Remember, they bounced back just a few days later to beat Houston in that classic at Moody Coliseum. And then they also have the op opportunity to play Tulsa, potentially, uh, which they beat 75-61 um, and also 74-69. So they swept the season series. Uh, but certainly Tulsa is pesky. Uh, SMU pulled away from them in Moody Coliseum at the end of February, and uh, Tulsa on the road took SMU uh, really down to the wire, 74-69 win there. And that's a team that, while it sits at the bottom of the conference, it's a team that at least has given SMU everything it can handle in its two meetings this year. So a very interesting matchup to come on Friday night. I do think now that you have Kendrick Davis, he's got his AAC Player of the Year, the attention is now focused on March. It's not that day-to-day, -day, okay, well, every few days we've got to get get ready for Game 7, so to speak, is what they've been calling it. Now it is Game 7. It's win or go home in the AAC tournament, and that's the mindset they're taking into this one. They need to at least win. I, I still think just watching Lenardi, uh, ESPN's Joe Lenardi break out uh, his um, bracketology each day uh, and it's updated live. Uh, SMU, as I'm recording this, sits in the first four out after Indiana moved up into the last four in. Uh, SMU does sit around Dayton, BYU, and Virginia Tech. Virginia, Texas A&M, VCU, and Oklahoma are in that next four out range. A&M did beat Florida uh, in the SEC tournament, an incredible game. So they're coming off a win to open things up there. Uh, but look, SMU has to win, in my opinion, the first two games of this AAC tournament. And that's just because you don't want to come into this tournament, win one, uh, go into that second game against likely Memphis, 
if they can get by South Florida and UCF in the late game on Friday night, uh, you want to see SMU take care of business against Memphis, a team that they beat twice in the regular season. It is hard to beat a team a third straight time. It'll be on a neutral court. If you beat Tulsa or Wichita State, and quite honestly, if you're SMU, you're hoping you play Wichita State and you get a chance to beat them. Then you play Memphis, who's sitting in the NCAA tournament right now. Then you can potentially you can punch your ticket to the AAC championship where you could face Houston or most likely uh, Temple, just kind of look or or even Cincinnati if they're somehow able to beat Houston uh, in that game. Those are kind of the three teams you've got to circle and. You know, if if SMU drops that first game in the AAC tournament, they're out. I mean, I, I would be hard-pressed to see SMU being able to get in without winning Friday night. But I do think they're going to win. I think they're going to get to play Memphis a third time, which that'll be a game where, you know, if SMU wins that one, I think you've got to be sitting there feeling pretty good about where you stand with the NCAA tournament because if you do end up facing um, if you do end up facing Houston in the AAC championship then you don't necessarily uh, have to win I mean you really don't if they were to win the AAC tournament it doesn't matter you punch your ticket to the NCAA tournament and it doesn't matter but losing to Houston is is no would be there'd be no shame in that but I think for SMU to punch their ticket to the AAC, to the NCAA tournament, got to win the first two games just so you don't leave it up to chance. And that's the mindset they're taking. This is a veteran team, and this is where this is where it can pay off. Now, we talked with Tim Jankovic on Wednesday. Certainly, somebody can get hot. You could see some luck not go their way. You can see luck not go other teams' way. And that's how postseason basketball can work at times. But for SMU... They need to take care of business to be in, and I think that means winning the first two games in the AAC tournament. So it's just something to uh, kind of get you guys started on. There's really not much to preview as far as that game goes until we know who the actual opponent is going to be. But either way, uh, I think SMU is going to take care of business Friday night no matter who they play. That's just the team mentality I'm seeing out of them right now. They do feel slept on. They do feel like they're not getting enough credit. Uh, we'll see. Uh, kind of how that goes. I do think it's worth noting Kendrick Davis uh, sent me a message late uh, on Wednesday night after we talked with him on Wednesday. He did say, if my NBA draft stock isn't where I want it to be or my pro draft pro stock isn't where I want it to be, I'll return. He added that that would be if Tim Jankovic is the coach. So something to watch there. Tim Jankovic was noted as a candidate at Kansas State, his alma mater, and I believe him to be one of their top candidates that they'd take a look at after the season. Uh, that's just my opinion. Chance to bring back somebody who played for Kansas State, has uh, you know head coaching experience, has figured out a way to make SMU competitive, and I think he's going to be a candidate there. That's based on what I'm hearing from people outside of the program, and we will uh, just monitor that. And I don't think it's going to be a distraction. I really don't. Uh, because right now, if you're looking at SMU, they are on the outside looking in just as of this moment for the NCAA tournament, and they haven't made it in a minute. So it's kind of an under-the-radar situation, unlike the TCU one last year with Sonny Dykes, where we had all that time to for it to be addressed or for it to not be addressed and all those things. So 
I think SMU takes care of business Friday night. We'll see a hell of a basketball game on Saturday, especially if it is SMU Memphis, and we'll see where the cards fall for the Mustangs basketball team. So with that, going to wrap up this edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Just something to kick you off your AAC tournament weekend. Hope you guys have been enjoying the site on theponyexpress.com. We thank you guys who have subscribed. Tons of recruiting coverage, tons of practice updates, uh, and of course, the basketball team as well. We've been covering as they begin their postseason play. So hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast. If you head over to Fort Worth, let me know. Maybe I'll be able to see you there uh, before the game gets underway. So with that, have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll catch you next week.